We finished First Peter last week, and uh, perhaps I went through that too quickly, the entire book. But call to remembrance before we come to Second Peter. In this epistle, history holds that Peter was older. He was about to die, to be martyred for the name of Christ. This is about 66 to 68 A.D. before the destruction of Jerusalem, but still under heavy persecution. You know, Peter started 1 Peter talking and teaching us how we're chosen of God, elected to stand in the grace of God. We talk about grace. Unmerited love and favor. And we see grace manifested. I still see, and I've seen a lot of people die in my life. A lot of them at work uh, died in horrendous ways. But when you see one that you know and you love and is a child of God, while we have a sorrow on our heart that we will miss them, whether it's a, a friend, a brother, a sister, a spouse, or a child, we have the grace of God on us and within us in His Spirit. And we understand when we've seen the grace in their life that they're God's child. And we have a great comfort in the very fact that we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Because we're chosen of God to be sanctified, set aside, and made holy, taken from our nature of Adam, the nature of sin and death, translated into the kingdom of God, born of the Spirit of God, taken from the death of sin, and given life. And as we went through First Peter, we most certainly saw Scripture prove that all this is the choice of God. It's in Christ. It cannot fail. It is so. It will be at every child of God at some point between conception and death will be born of the Spirit of God and know God and be changed and so shall we ever be with the Lord in heaven in a moral glory away from the sin and death. We close the book out talking about persecution and how we suffer as God's children. Bear those things in mind as we come to the second epistle of Peter. Now, the second chapter... Theologians sometimes would claim that this is not written of Peter because the second chapter differs from the style which he usually carried. But you've got to understand and you've got to realize that men are all different. Men change and as the Holy Spirit of God does not change. The Holy Spirit of God delivers as God purposes according to the text of what Scripture is relating to us. And when we get into the second chapter, you'll see, have an understanding of that, referring back to the day that they were in under great persecution, and the day that we're in today and how it relates to us today. But to begin the book, the epistle, Second Peter, a very short book, three chapters. We see Simon Peter, that is the man's name. He was given that by his mother and his father. He was called Simon Peter, and he says he is a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Thou art Peter, he's also called Cephas, and upon this rock I will build my church. The rock is not Peter. Paul tells us in the Ephesian letter that we are Stones were laid upon the foundation of Christ and the apostles. Peter told us in the first epistle, we're living stones. We are the house of God made without hands. Children of God, born of God, a habitation of God's Spirit. Christ is within us. The foundation that it's built upon is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, those whom God has written His law upon their hearts. Who are they? Back to First Peter. Those who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father 
through sanctification of the Spirit. The Spirit gave you life. The Spirit set you aside from the world. As Christ hanged between those two men on the cross, He separated them one from another. When He died, He separated His people from the nature of Adam and the sin and death in eternity. Jesus asked them, Whom do men say that I am? They said, John the Baptist, Elias, one of the prophets. Jesus said, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter, one of the stones of the apostles in the first century church, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And let me lay this in there while we're talking about it because somebody's always trying to resurrect a heresy somewhere. And there's a heresy beginning again in the church that Christ is not the eternal Son of God. And I'll give you two verses of Scripture. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And Christ is the living Word of God, eternal God said, let us make man in our image when God created. And that is the Godhead, Father, Word, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. How can I say that is the Son? Because Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, and forever. The Son of God is the eternal Son of God. Now let's go back to the text. Whom do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which art in heaven. A born-again, sanctified child of God. There's no other way to know this. But being among the group of the elect of God that it pleased God to set His love upon and shed His grace upon, to place His grace, His glory upon. Peter, Simon Peter, the rock, the stone, a servant, a minister, one who is called to serve the Lord. One who is chosen to serve the Lord. The last song we sing every week, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We are chosen to praise God. The purpose of all things is that God's people that He chose, that He loves, would praise Him. And let's go farther with the Son. Because the Son was in a body manifesting God the Father to us. He died for us. He laid His body down and raised it up to pay the sin debt of us. And therefore our body will also be raised up. He died for our body also. Now, we're to serve God. We're to serve Christ. We're a servant. We're chosen. We're elected. We're sent forth to do that. That is our purpose in life. That is our purpose in glory. We could think about that. And we can think about being in the presence of God in heaven in immortal glory and seeing His face even though our body's in the ground. And we can think about the day when our body comes forth and we shall see Him as He is, as a servant to Him. And here, as servants of God, we are to live a life. He's talking to the church here. He's talking to people that are in great persecution from the heathen and those around Him. And at this point in time, still from the fathers of the law service among, among the Jews. A servant to serve God, to serve Christ. How do we do that? Time and time again we see by loving each other. By serving each other. And as much as you have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Loving each other. We closed, I believe, with that last week or pretty close to the end 
loving each other. The love that God, who is love, puts upon us. First, in the view of Christ, as He reveals Himself to us, that He is the Son of God. He's the Christ of God. He's the man born of the Virgin that came to the world and was raised up of God and suffered and bled and died to save His people from their sins and now sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high, King of kings and Lord of lords. We see that. And we serve Him in this world. He reveals it to us. And we love Him because of that. And because we are brethren and sisters, and the Spirit of God pulls us together in unity, in bondage to Christ as servants, we love each other. A servant and an apostle and apostle of Jesus Christ. There were 12 apostles. Paul was the 12th. There were 11 there when he was taken up. And the promises given then, which come in grace, what did he tell them? To bear witness. To bear witness of what? Christ. Who? Christ. The glory of God. The power of God. He is an apostle. To be an apostle, they had to see Christ. They had to witness Christ. They, John said, we beheld His glory. We touched Him. We laid hands upon Him. They ate with Him. They traveled with Him. Those He chose to be apostles. What was the purpose of an apostle? Peter was an apostle. They, back to Ephesians, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. They preached, fulfilled law, the finished work of the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, of eternal salvation, of temporal salvation, of the kingdom of God, of repentance and pressing into the kingdom of God, for we must press, we must push, we must fight against ourselves and the forces of darkness in order to stand in the kingdom of God where God has placed us and enjoy or partake of the joy of our salvation. An apostle of Jesus Christ, setting forth the doctrine and the practice and the order of the church as Christ ordained it should be. It is His church. It is His right to do so. How dare man try to alter that or change that? Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them, this is going back to the church in Babylon, Dispersed Jews under persecution who were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? They were chosen of God. They were elect of God. They were sanctified by the Spirit of God. They'll stand in heaven in immortal glory seeing Christ as He is. And while they live in this world, they were here to bear witness under the finished work of the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. They suffered great persecution as we do today. Doesn't mean it's not to the Gentiles. The elect of God among the Gentiles, this is given also to them, it's in Scripture. But primarily, when Peter wrote this in his old age, before he left this world, it was written to those in Babylon. To them that have obtained like precious faith. You cannot have faith unless you're born of God. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. You had no choice of being born of your mother and father you have no choice of being born of God. If you are born of God, then you are of the elect of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
then you are of the elect of God. I don't care what some man tells you. I don't care what some congregation tells you. I don't care what some minister tells you. The Bible teaches by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if you know God, if you love God, you stand in the grace of God, and you're among the elect of God, and God hath given you life, for the dead cannot see nor hear. Therefore, if you see and hear, you're alive, you're among the elect of God. It's manifested to you. It bears witness that you are a child of God. You obtain like precious faith. The Lord has given unto every man a measure of faith. Don't be misguided. Rightly divide the word of truth. The Scripture also says that all men have not faith. Who will not have faith? Those that are not given to have faith. Those that God left in their own sinful nature. Those that God did not set His love, mercy, and grace upon will never know God. It's not our works. It's not our choice. It's not our doing. It's the purpose of God and Jesus Christ. And it's all by grace. Unmerited love and favor. Because it pleased God to set His love upon you. It pleased God. It was the passion of the Christ to enter this world and suffer this death and burial and resurrection. He loves you that much. Some people have faith. Different measures of faith. Different measures. Some people's faith is strong. Some people's faith is weak. We can't increase faith. God increases faith. God gives strength. Some people have faith to know Christ. Don't go into the depth of it. Some, have, some people have faith to go into the depth of Scripture and know a little bit more of faith, a little bit more about Christ. This is all about the preaching of the Gospel, which is, which is the manifestation of the Son of God, which declares the glory of the Son of God, which teaches us of the eternal Son of God, who saved us from our sins and will deliver us to heaven and immortal glory. To them that obtain light, precious faith, some people... Faith, have faith to depend on God and not look to the world or themselves. Some people have faith to know and understand more than others. Some people have faith to know and understand that Christ is the living Word of God eternally. If you've obtained like precious faith with us, the church, through the righteousness of God. Peter is writing to people, explaining who he is, the man, humanity, humility, sinful man, flesh and blood, unable to know God, unable to come to God, but knowing full well as He is flesh and blood that Jesus is the Christ of God. The minister, the apostle, sent of Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, the church of God, through, how did we have it? How did we get it? Where did it come from? Through the righteousness of God. Let's understand that point is talking about the righteousness of God the Father. He puts Christ there with Him, but He's talking there about the righteousness of the Father. For it was the Father who spoke the Word of God and the world was created. It was the Father who's the head of the covenant, our covenant God. The Father made covenant with the Son, covenant sealed with the Spirit, according as He, the Father, has chosen us, His people, in Him, Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before who? God the Father in love. 
God's ways are right. God's ways are true. God's ways, ways are just. All His ways are judgment. Through the righteousness of God the Father, through the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ in God the Father's righteousness. Some people say, well, it's not right. They didn't have a chance. It's not fair. Brethren, we lost our chance the one and only time we had free will, and that was in Adam, and we in Adam chose sin. Since that time, man has either been under control of the prince of darkness, the power of the air, or else quickened and given life and under the control of God the Father and Jesus Christ. There's no free will anymore. It's one or the other. And by our nature, we're in death and sin. That's why we're elect according to foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. God works His way. Peter writing to these people, he says there, you have these things through the righteousness of God. It was God's purpose. It is God's purpose. Wasn't his plan. God doesn't have plans. God has purpose. He's a God of purpose. He is a God of means. But God's purpose of Christ through the righteousness of God the Father and our Savior Jesus Christ who was made flesh and dwelt among us. Back to those who deny that Christ was the Son of God. Eternally they say that He became the Son of God when He was made incarnate. Well, I beg to differ. He was pre-incarnate and revealed Himself to Abraham in Genesis when He sat in His tent door in the heat of the day. He walked with Adam in the garden. God is a spirit and no man has seen God at any time, yet God manifests Himself to us through His Son. And those men are living history that God's Son was upon the face of the earth pre-incarnate. And we read Hebrews that all things were made by the Word of God. And we read the letter in Colossians that all things were made by Him and for Him. Then we understand He was here before creation. If He is the Creator, He must have been here before creation. And that was in eternity. Now let's move forward. The righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ do you realize it's a righteous thing with God that Christ should suffer and bleed and die? That God would give Him over to the hands of sinful men to save a people that were at enmity with Him because God set His love upon them. And that's the righteousness of God that we're saved. The righteousness of God that we have this faith. The righteousness of God that we have understanding. And this book's about knowledge. He says grace is a beautiful word. Grace and peace. Peace which passeth understanding. Be multiplied, for He giveth more grace. Peter is telling them the grace and peace that you have in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the very eternal Son of God, that you have now, as wonderful as it is, as amazing as it is, be multiplied, for He giveth more grace. Unto you who believe, who stand among the elect of God, who were chosen of God, who love God because God first loved them, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. No man hath seen God at any time. Yet Christ is God manifest in the flesh. For great is, for without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. I've told you this before twice, but I'm going to bring it up again. That lady tell me when I was too young to drive that as long as I was alive, my daddy would be in this world. 
Well, what do you mean? She said, because you look just like Him. Christ. Christ. The Father. One in deity. One in power. One in wisdom. Manifesting the Father to us through the knowledge of God. God, The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave Him and He gives to His servants. Revelation chapter 1. The knowledge of God. We were without God in the world. Had no knowledge of God. And God revealed Himself to us. Grace and peace be multiplied. Growing comfort of grace every day. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We were dead in sin, morally bankrupt, unable to recover ourselves. Let's go past that to the Armenian. Had no desire to know God. Was very happy in the way that we were of our flesh being disobedient to God and afar from God, enmity against God, hating God by our very nature. That's grace, brethren. The knowledge of God manifested to us and of Jesus our Lord. You consider that. I told you He died to save our body. He died, laid His body down. He is our Lord. He's not just verily all truly God. He's verily all truly man. That's so important. We shall walk with Him in glory in the body of the man Christ. His body was laid down for us. His body was raised up for us. Jesus, our Lord, who reigns over us, who sits at the right hand of the majesty on high in the body that God had prepared for Him. Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God, within the volume of the book which is written of Me. He came to do the will of God. Because it was His passion. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. According, <laughs> oh, if God's people could understand this. Thank you, Lord. According as His divine power, divine divinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, same divinity, same power, same wisdom, same glory, same purpose, all in the covenant God, according as His divine power, God has the power of creation. He spoke when there was nothing but God and it was. The Word He spoke was the living Word of God. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God. That is Christ. The same power of God in creation when Christ is the Creator. All things were made by Him and for Him. The same power of God, the same divine power to give you life and raise you from the dead. The same divine power that will raise the bodies from the ground, the piles of ashes that have been thrown across the face of the earth to the animal's dunghill, or whatever. The same power to raise it up again. His divine power. This One who has power over all things created, every man, woman, child, speck of dust, dirt, star, moon, angel, cherub, seraphim, the demons in hell and Satan himself, power over all things. According as His <laughs> divine power, 
Thank you. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing for us to fear. There's nothing for us to worry about. A child of God leaves this world and they're with Christ immediately. Look around the things in the world, the persecution of the church, the nation going head first down to the depths of the pit of hell. There's nothing to fear. God's divine power has you in His hand. According as His divine power hath given, you notice that's past tense, H-A-T-H, hath given unto us, who are they? Those that have obtained like precious faith. Okay, preacher, you're so smart. What about those children of God that hadn't yet been born of the Spirit? They have it guaranteed. They just don't know it yet because they have not been born of the Spirit, so therefore they don't have the revelation yet, but they will before they leave that body. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things. There's that three-letter word that encompasses so very much. The power, His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. This is pertaining to God has loved us from before we were, from before the world was created, from before creation, in the realm of eternity, when the covenant was made. Well, when was the covenant made? The covenant was made in God. God is eternal. Eternal, eternal we cannot understand. Eternal never began. Eternal never ends. Eternal is now. God is eternal. Therefore, that covenant never ends. That covenant never began. That covenant always was and is present because it's in the Godhead, Father, Word, and Holy Ghost. That's hard to comprehend in this sinful body, but that's how it is. According as His divine power giveth unto us all things, everything, that pertain unto life, life, eternal life. When God quickens you, you are in possession of it. And godliness. In heaven and immortal glory, where we shall walk with Him in a glorified body raised up in the righteous image of Christ. That does not mean we're going to look like Christ. Don't mean we're going to be genderless. It means we're going to be in this body resurrected, which means to bring the same thing forth again, but perfect and holy without sin, therefore without death. Clean, spotless, white, as a fuller's fire would cleanse them. According as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It won't get out of my head, let me say it. Malachi, he sits as a refiner's soap. What does the silversmith do with the silver in the fire? You think about this as we walk through this world and suffer tribulation. He holds that silver in the fire. Isaiah said, I have chosen thee. Behold, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. The silversmith will... Fashion that silver in the fire. When it's perfected, He brings it forth. When it's perfected, He can see His image in the silver. As we would look into a mirror. He fashions us in the furnace of affliction as He loves us and carries us through the things of this world. When we arrive in heaven in immortal glory, raised up 
in his righteous image. He shall see himself. He shall see his righteousness. I hear people say, well, I believe when the Lord comes, He's going to have a tear in His eye because the ones that's left behind, there's not anybody left behind. That's foolish gibberish. Every one the Father giveth me shall come to me. He shall see Himself in the righteousness of Christ imputed upon them. And He sees Himself in us as we walk through this sin-cursed earth. As we suffer affliction and hatred chosen of God to live righteous lives here in this world striving to follow the way and the teaching of the Son of God as we come into the church of God and take up our cross tonight. Ourself. Can't blame anybody else. My sin's my fault. Denying myself daily. According to His divine power, giving us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. If God hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, why do we try to add more things? Why do we need anything man-made? You know, everything that we have in the church today that people have brought in and polluted the truth is it has been here before. Go back to Revelation 17 again. That was what I saw. It, uh, what was and is not, yet shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go in perdition. The Sunday schools came from the Jews. The musical instruments came from David. We see in Amos, David erred. We find in Isaiah where David erred. Woe unto them that chant the sound of the vow. Christ church, we sing from the heart. That's God's musical instrument. We worship Him in spirit and truth as our heart, our mind, our soul, our very being yearns to see Him and be with Him, and we cry out to Him, Abba, Father, for He hath freed us from the bondage of sin and death. If God hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, both in immortal glory, and that's Christ, and here it's Christ, it's Christ and Him crucified, First of all, why would we want to change it? We do not need praise and worship teams. I don't need somebody that doesn't know how to worship God to teach me how to worship God. And if he tried to, I'd get mad and rebel against him. But God's love touches us. You do not rebel against love when it's placed upon you. You see Christ high and lifted up upon the cross of Calvary. Your very soul mourns. For His great love and for your sins what's placed in there. According to His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We do not need anything else. And take comfort, we have all things. Period. We don't have to look for anything else. We need to seek to draw nigh to God in Christ. Repentance through the knowledge, according as His divine power given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, walking with God in this world. When we get there, we're going to make like unto Him. Perfect, righteous bodies. We'll never, we'll never have His deity because we're creatures. He is the Creator, but we shall be made like unto Him. And that's an earnest stunt. While we live here, God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us. Through the knowledge, knowledge, Scripture, Holy writ, reading, studying, praying. If you read the Scripture and you don't pray, you're not going to get near as much out of it. When we pray to God and seek, ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not. When we pray to God to 
understand the inspired Word of God, the understanding that comes with that through prayer. He has called us the knowledge of Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the knowledge that He is the eternal Son of God. That He's the second person of the Godhead. He's the Creator of heaven and earth. And despite what you hear in the world, God is not offering Himself to men. Christ is not offering Himself to men. He's not going around because the Jews sinned and fell. He's not going around in desperation trying to save people and influence them to come to Him. Christ offered Himself to the Father. For He shall come unto Me that is to be ruler in Israel, Micah 5.2. Christ came to the Father. We have that knowledge through prayer and meditation and study. It all comes from the Spirit of God giving us life and Him writing His law upon our inward parts. Let's take another step. And we have that knowledge through the preaching of the Gospel. Someone has no interest in learning about Christ. Someone doesn't have any interest in learning about God, doesn't love God. I'm sorry, I can do absolutely nothing for you. But if you love God, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, He first loved you, He died for you, come let's talk a while. Come let's talk a while. Let's dig into the knowledge of the inspired Word of God and learn of the living Word of God. Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. He called us to the obtaining of the glory of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As Christ is the image of God, the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, we will be raised up and made righteous, holy, and without blame before God the Father in love, body, spirit, and soul. While we live in this world, even though we inhabit a body of sin, which we wrestle against daily, with the power of God in us and the glory of God resting upon us as we strive to walk with God, God, Jesus Christ, is glorified. This is manifested, the power of God, to other children of God who see your light. Many of them God moving upon to bring them to Him. They've already got life or they have no interest, so He's moving them to come to Him in a way of worship, in a way of manifesting themselves as the sons of God, in that Christ is glorified and that glory rests on you. It's called us to glory and virtue. Whereby? Whereby what? <laughs> Whereby is His divine power and all the things He's given us that pertain to life and godliness. Whereby you're of the elect of God. Whereby you have like precious faith through the righteousness of God and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, whereby are given unto us the elect of God, exceeding great and precious promises. We have a promise of an inheritance. We have a promise seeing Christ. But I'm going to tell you, I cannot, I cannot, first of all, understand why God would, would, would love me. But I cannot, I cannot even begin to imagine to be in the presence of the fullness of Christ. I cannot imagine to see Him as He is. To be able to stand in that great light, the righteousness of God, the only potentate who can approach unto God the brightness of His glory to be made where we can stand in that. That is a great, great, great promise. 
of all in this world when God loves us and cares for us and takes care of us. What we live for as we mature as God's children is to leave this world. Why is it we do not weep when a loved one dies and goes to the Lord because we know they're far, far better off and they would not return here even if they could. They're there with Christ. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Okay? Now let's go back. Through the knowledge of Him that has called you called us to glory and virtue and good works through the power of God. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's by the power of God. We are translated in the kingdom. God places His Spirit within us. We're born of the Spirit of God. We have Christ revealed to us. We know Christ. We love Christ. And therefore, God places a desire in us through that gratitude and love and humbleness and a reverential fear of God to take up our cross and walk away from this world and walk with Christ. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. We've got promises in this world. They carry us through these times that we live. I'm quite sure most people that have ever lived in the world have thought that their times were the worst that had ever been. And that makes good sense because every generation, evil has manifested more to us. And it seems that we grow farther away from God as society as time goes on. So I can understand that. But we've got the promise of God. I will never Leave thee. Period. Nor forsake thee. Period. Well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when the truckers stop and the gas doesn't get here and they can't deliver food and our clothing and shoes are wore out? The children of Israel marched through the wilderness 40 years their shoes wore out. Not. Not. They did not wear out upon their feet. We went from Psalm 37 last week. Let me give you another verse from there. Verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I will never leave thee. Thou preparest a table before me in thy, the presence of thine enemies. I will never leave thee. Whether that's a table of natural food that God provides for His people, or whether that's a, a menu of manna from heaven, angel food that God provides for His people through the living, uh, through the inspired Word of God and prayer and worship and preaching the sound of the Gospel of Christ and Him crucified, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God promised Abraham a kingdom all the time they were there. It was theirs. Even though they were in bondage for much of it because of their sin, we have a kingdom today. Sometimes we think it's about to die. We think the true identity of the church is about to pass away. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We need to be in repentance. We need to be praying. We need to be preaching nothing other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's my hope. That's my only chance and far more sufficient than anything else could approach unto. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I'm going to read one more verse and back up, and we'll take up there next week. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, Virtue. This is referring to good works. Godliness. Good works are profitable to a man. Our works of righteousness are as filthy rags before His feet. 
We don't say what is good works. The Bible tells us what are good works. Love God, love each other. Visit the widows and fatherless in their affliction. Help those who cannot help themselves. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises, God being with us, the Spirit of God with us, the Kingdom of God, the preaching of the Gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory, you might be partakers of the divine nature. We're not going to reach deity. We are created beings. But as we walk with Christ, and Christ is within us, it's manifested. Our light so shines that we're partakers by God's grace, by God's power, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of God, and His people, and His beloved, and of Him Himself. To partakers of divine nature. The love of God is shed abroad upon us. Having escaped, taking up your cross daily out of love and reverential fear of Christ, having escaped, turning aside from the corruption that is in the world. Why do we get so troubled when we look around and see the shape of society? Everything God created, attack, family, church, even government. Everything corrupted of Satan. Everything striving to be torn down of Satan because of the lust of man, the love of money, the love of power. How do we escape it? How have we escaped it? By the grace of God and Jesus Christ. Lord, thank You. Lord, thank You. Lord, thank You. May we ever, ever adore Him. May we love Him better. Every day, adore Him better. Keep His church and His testimony as it is.